Let's jump in uh, to this morning. I don't know if you have ever received something, something good, and you thought, I didn't deserve this. I didn't deserve to get this thing that I just, that I got. And you, maybe, maybe you said, and you felt how that felt to get something you didn't deserve. I'll ask that question another way too. What, what's the, what's the deal with honorary degrees? Um, I, I don't, I don't get that. It's not, you know, we, we see celebrities getting honorary degrees all the time. And it's like, we see them get these, you didn't do anything to earn that other than being a celebrity and, and being famous in your role and what you did. And it's like, these colleges are like Oprah Winfrey. They're just giving them out. You get a degree, you get a degree, you get a degree, you, you know, and speak and Oprah is, is one of these people that, uh, she may have the most honorary degrees. I don't know. I can't say that for a fact, but she's got three. She's got this honorary doctorate of fine arts, which you understand that. I mean, she's been in the fine arts. She, she, she does all that kind of stuff. So I kind of get that, although she didn't sit through the classes that all those students sat through. She's got these, uh, which another degree that a lot of these celebrities get this doctorate of humane letters, which I don't even think that's a real degree that a student can get. I think that's just one of these things that the colleges give them say, Hey, we see the good that you're doing in society. So yay for you. So here's a degree. But there was another one that dumbfounded me. I was like, she got this degree for real. It was a, it's an, it's an honorary doctorate of laws degree. Like she got a doctor of laws degree, an honorary one. And I'm like, okay, she's bright. She's brilliant. She's very smart. She does great interviews. She, she has a lot of influence. But I even asked a law student a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, how does that make you feel for all the hours that you spent in a class taking exams, studying, taking the bar and doing all these things and you work hard to get this degree. And then all of a sudden she just gets handed, Hey, here's an honorary doctor of laws degree, right? It's just like, why wow, you don't deserve that, right? Now, maybe I just, maybe I'm, pray for me. May pray for me because I have a hard time celebrating people getting things. A lot of people in, in society, we look at people and we hope the bad that you've done, we hope you get what you deserve because of the bad you've done. That's how we look at a lot of things today. Today, we're going to conclude in our series, the book of, with the book of Genesis, we're concluding the series today. And we're going to look at, at a guy that gives his brothers way more than they deserve. If you know the story, you know what I'm talking about. I, I really hope and pray that, that you have seen some incredible gospel truths as we've gone through the book of Genesis and you've seen the hand of God at work in the book of Genesis. You've seen the fact that God is always with us. He's always, he, he's always in control. And as we come to the conclusion today, we're going to look at this character that probably gets uh, about as much of the book of Genesis as anybody, as much as Jacob gets. Jacob and Jacob is his father. This is an individual by the name of Joseph. And you may be thinking, Javen, why are you giving one message, one, uh, one, one Sunday to a guy that gets just as much as Jacob? We get about four Sundays on, on Jacob. Why are you doing it? Well, here's, here's why. I believe there's an overarching theme that goes through these last 12, 13 books of Genesis that, that cover the story of Joseph. I believe there's this overarching thing that we see throughout it all. And this is the truth that I want us to get today. This is the principle. This is what I want us to grab a hold to today. And that's the, this is that living with the awareness of the truth that God is always with you can change the way you see situations in your life. When you live with the awareness, truly aware that God is with you, truly believing that it can change the way you see every situation in your life, whether good or bad. All right, so let's jump in. We got a lot to cover, so let's jump in, all right? Joseph was not the oldest son 
of Jacob. We get that. We know that Joseph was not the oldest son. He wasn't the youngest. He was the next to youngest. Benjamin was the youngest, but Joseph was the oldest son born to Rachel, right? Remember Rachel, this was the wife that Jacob wanted to marry in the first place, right? This was the one that he worked for. And, and, and then Laban gave him Leah and he married Leah unknowingly. And then he added Rachel to that marriage. Leah was the first to have kids and Rachel ended up having kids later. And Joseph was the first that she was able to have. Maybe you also remember that Jacob seemed to be the favorite of his mom. And Jacob's brother Esau seemed to be the favorite of his dad. And maybe you remember the problems that came because these parents had favorites and the problems that came in these families' lives. And you would think if Jacob looks back at the problems that came in their life because his mom and daddy had favorites, he would learn a lesson, right? Genesis 37 verse 3, we see this statement. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children (laughs) because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. And I believe too, not adding to the scripture, I think we see in the context of it, he was the firstborn of Rachel. But so you think, you look at this and you're like, Jacob, man, you should have learned, but no, he's got favorites. The, the great thing and the beauty about scripture and about the Bible, if it, when you read it, when, if you think you have messed up families, when you read scripture and you look back, I mean, we've just looked at Genesis. But all through scripture, you see messed up family after messed up family. And you see God working in and through these families. And more, more often than not, you see God reconciling in these families as well. And that's a powerful thing. But let's keep going in Genesis 37 verse 3. Let's keep going. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph. A beautiful robe. Ah, the coat of many colors as it's come to be known as, right? This was a long ornate robe that was given to, to Joseph from Jacob. This was a robe that was typically given to the oldest son. But remember, Joseph's not the oldest son. The oldest son actually is Reuben. That was born to Leah. Joseph is the oldest son born to Rachel, but the next to youngest of Jacob's sons. But Joseph gets the coat. What's the importance of this coat? What's the big deal of this coat? Well, this coat symbolized who was the one that was going to get the primary inheritance of the father, the one that was going to get the blessing, the one that was going to get everything coming his way. It signified nobility amongst the brothers. It signified rank. It signified his status. It signified also, as history tells us, that this guy didn't have to do as much manual labor as all the other brothers got to do. (laughs) Now, That didn't go over well with them, I don't think. Let's look at verse 4. His brothers hated Joseph. That's great. Why? Because their father loved him more than the rest of them. And they couldn't say a kind word about him. Well, then he goes on. Joseph has dreams. This is great, right? Joseph's got dreams. His first dream is he has this dream that he and his brothers are out tying these bundles of wheat. And he goes and he tells his brothers, look, I had this dream. And your bundles of wheat all bow down to my bundles of wheat. Right? He tells them this dream. How's that go over? Not well. It goes over about like a vegetarian in a meat market. Not well at all, right? I mean, it's, it just doesn't happen. So he tells them this dream, and, and, and then they're like, you know, we know you're dreaming because, one, you're working in your dream. Two, you think we're bowing down to you. That's not going to happen, okay? Well, then he has another dream, and he has this dream that the sun and the moon and 11 stars all bow down to him. He tells his daddy. And the scripture tells us that his dad scolds him. Like, you think your mom and I are going to bow down to you? But then the scripture also tells us that Jacob ponders more the meaning of this dream. Probably because Jacob knows that God can speak to you in dreams, just like he had done to him. Right? 
But then Jacob, I mean, Joseph goes again, he tells his brothers this dream and again, does not go over well, right? I mean, they, they do not appreciate this and they're just harboring all this within them. So then, uh, Jacob tells Joseph, he says, look, your brothers are out. They're working out in the pastures to the sheep. They're doing a lot of work. I want you to go check on your brothers and come back and let me know how they're doing. Right. Great idea, Jacob. They just send your, send your son out to the brothers away from you. Right. The ones that don't like him, the one that can't stand him, the one that don't ever say anything kind about him. So they see him coming. They start planning to kill him. But look who steps in. Genesis 37, verse 21. But when Reuben heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. And he says, why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Now, what is it? What is Reuben has a, a, a plan. He's not telling his brothers. He was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. Right now, remember, Reuben's the oldest. We don't we don't really know the heart and the intentions behind why Reuben was making this plan. All right. Maybe, maybe it was a pure heart to rescue Joseph. Maybe it was with the intentions to, to take Joseph back to his father and, uh, and let, uh, and let him know what the brothers were planning. Maybe it was to try to earn some favor with Jacob, right? To, to, to maybe get, he, he's, he's thinking I should have that coat. Maybe I can at least get some of what Joseph's getting here, right? If I do, we don't know why. Nevertheless, we're going to see that his plan goes awry. Because as the rest of the brothers, they decide to sell Joseph into slavery. And we see that Judah steps up. He doesn't know Reuben's plan. So Judah steps up, maybe out of a guilty kind. Maybe the spirit is working in him. He says, look, let's not leave him here to die. Let's sell him. Let's sell him into slavery. So the brothers sell Joseph and they sell him to the Ishmaelites. Right? Remember them? These are the people group that comes from Abraham's son, born of the flesh, Ishmael. This is their great, great uncle. Okay. And these are people from that, that family line that they sell Joseph to. So then let's see what happens next. Genesis 37 verse 29. Sometime later, later Reuben returned to get Joseph out of the cistern. When he discovered that Joseph was missing, he tore his clothes in grief. So apparently Reuben has no idea that his brothers have done this. Then he went back to his brothers and he lamented the boy is gone. What will I do now? Then the brothers killed a young goat. They dipped Joseph's robe in its blood and they sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look at what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? So now we've got Jacob grieving what he believes to be the loss of his son. And Joseph ends up being sold to Potiphar. Potiphar is the chief of the palace guard of Pharaoh in Egypt. And then we get to Genesis chapter 39 and we see in verse two, this phrase for the first time. The Lord was with Joseph. And what happened? So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. This is a crucial moment for Joseph. A crucial revelation for Joseph. Why? Joseph could have very easily thought in this moment, God has forsaken me. God has just left left me. He's left me alone. He's let me go. He's abandoned me. He could easily think there's no such thing as a God. If there was a God that my family keeps talking about, I wouldn't be in this situation right now. But Joseph believed that God was with him. 
And when you live with the awareness that God is truly with you, it can change the way you see every situation in your life. But not only the way you see your situation, watch this, verse three. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. Living with the awareness that God is with you, it doesn't just affect how you see your situations, it can affect the way others see how you live in your situations. And it can affect the way they see God working in your life. They may not proclaim, man, God's at work, but they're going to say, something's different. This, this person's got something else happening in their life that I'm not aware of. If, if you are a child of God, if you have given your life and you're following Jesus Christ, you've made him Lord of your life and you've accepted his salvation, you're a child of God. And as a child of God, we have to understand that the marketplace, the place we go every day to live out our calling, to live out our career, the marketplace is our place to be a missionary for the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because when you are there, you have the opportunity and the ability to carry the presence of God with you, to carry the kingdom of God with you, to carry the peace of God with you, to carry the blessing of God with you in every situation that you go into. Because the blessing of God and the blessing of his presence is a theme we see all throughout the book of Genesis. It's a theme we see all throughout the book, all throughout the scripture. And the blessing of God's presence was with Joseph all through his life. And that blessing wasn't just for Joseph. That blessing was a blessing to work through Joseph. See, we have been empowered. And we have been blessed with the presence of God in our life to be a blessing to others, no matter who they are. Joseph was being a blessing to people who were not the chosen people of God. He was being a blessing to people who worship multiple false gods. No matter who they are, you have the opportunity to be a blessing. You have been empowered by Christ, by his Holy Spirit, to bless those who feel cursed in life. You have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to bless those who have cursed you in this life. You have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a blessing to those who already think they're blessed and don't need your blessing. We walk in that opportunity. And Joseph was doing this. He understood the presence of God in his life and it affected every situation. Well, then we go next. We see Potiphar's wife enter the scene. You know, he's, Joseph's getting all this authority and he's getting all these things. And scripture tells us that Joseph was a good looking dude. That's what scripture tells us. And Potiphar's wife was attracted to him. And the only conversation that we see take place between Potiphar's wife and Joseph, this is all we know in scripture. They may have had other conversations, but the only conversation we see from Potiphar's wife and Joseph in the scripture is Potiphar's wife telling Joseph, you need to come sleep with me. And she wasn't talking about taking a nap. All right. I think we know what she was talking about. Okay. But Joseph refuses and he runs away. Remember we talked about in this, in this, in in this series that our faith will often be tested. It'll be tested through trials. It'll be tested through temptations. And every one of us has an area that we are vulnerable in our life. We've all, if we go just use the phrase to go back a little bit in our series, we all have a pot of stew, right? That when we see that pot of stew, it can awaken our appetite. 
It might be sex. It might be money. It might be power. It might be food. It might be comfort. It, it could be anything that wants to lead us away from putting God first and priority in our life and chasing something else. But we have to understand, we have to realize temptation is different from sin. Temptation is not sin. We know it's different because look at this, Hebrews chapter four, verse 15. The author of Hebrews tells us this. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He's talking about Jesus Christ. But we have one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Just because you're tempted doesn't mean you sin. So you don't have to feel defeated because you feel temptation. That's what I'm getting at. That's what I'm saying. Somebody needs to hear that today. Somebody needs to understand that. Somebody needs to know that. When you are tempted, just because you feel temptation, you don't have to carry the weight of guilt. But when you are tempted, that's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to either run to God or run from God. If you run to God, you're running away from temptation. If you run from God, you're running to the temptation. Joseph runs from temptation. And we see again, Joseph's coat gets stripped off because Potiphar's wife is grabbing that when he runs away. And, and that coat was just like the other coat. It was a form of status. I had this thought when I was studying, just because your status to those around you might get stripped away in life, it doesn't mean the purpose of God in your life is ever taken, right? Understand that and know that if that ever happens in your life where you think my status has been taken, the purpose of God is still in you. He can still use you. He can still work in you. Now look, so Potiphar's wife falsely accuses Joseph, accuses him of rape. He gets thrown into prison. And then we see this happen, verse 21 of Genesis 39. But the Lord was with Joseph in prison. And he showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused him everything he did to succeed. Now, look, there's a whole nother. I mean, I, I read this and I think about those who are in the workforce. And I know some, I hear so many stories about people that work for people who you feel like those people are evil. These people Joseph worked for are evil. But when you work as if you're working under the presence of God and in the presence of God and for God, people notice that and God will show you favor in that. I truly believe that. But that's, 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 we'll move on to this. But this is Joseph. This is Joseph living out the principle that we're talking about. When you live with the awareness that God is truly with you, it changes the way you see every situation. Apparently, Joseph didn't go into the prison defeated. He went into the prison and said, all right, God, what's next? How are you going to use me here? And I get it. It's easy for me to make a statement like that and us to see that and think that and me on this stage and you in here and the comfort with air conditioning around us and, and not everything going on. But this is the faith that God is calling us to. That no matter what's happening around us, we say, God, what's next? We believe you're with us. What's going to happen? And the next thing you see happen with Joseph is some of Pharaoh's court servants get thrown into prison. We see a, a butler, a baker, and a candlestick maker. They get thrown. No, I'm just kidding. There's no candlestick maker. I just seen if you're paying attention. If you if you read, there's a butler and there's a baker. They get thrown in the prison. While they're there, they have their own dreams. They have dreams, and so Joseph is able to interpret by the power of God is able to interpret these dreams to them. 
the baker has this dream and Joseph interprets the dream to him. He's like, dude, you're going to die. I'm sorry. You're going to die in here. And he dies. The butler has a dream and Joseph interprets it. He says, you're going to get out. And the butler ends up getting out of prison. And Joseph tells the butler, when you get out, remember me. Remember me when you get out. Two years later, the butler remembers him. He remembers him because Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh has this dream of seven fat cows and seven skinny cows. And no, that is not a vision a thousand years earlier about Chick-fil-A. Joseph has a dream or a vision about seven fat cows, seven skinny cows. And, and so nobody can figure it out. And the butler remembers, wait a minute, there's a dude that told us he interpreted dreams in prison. And both those dreams came true. And he said, who is it? And he's called for Joseph. And they go get Joseph. And when asked if he could interpret these dreams, Joseph has a remarkable response. 41 verse 16. Look at what he says. It's beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. We need to understand how bold that statement is. If you remember, if you were here when we did our series on the book of Daniel, or even if you know the book of Daniel, what happens in the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar had a, had a dream. Nobody could interpret it. Daniel gets called up. Somebody remember, somebody knows that Daniel can interpret dreams. They call him up and he interprets this dream, but he has a very similar statement to Nebuchadnezzar. Why is this bold? Because people like Nebuchadnezzar and people like Pharaoh, they already believe they are God. They believe they hold the power of the gods in their hand. And so Joseph is looking Pharaoh, and he is saying to the one that thinks he has the power of the gods, I can't do it, but the one true God that I know, he can. In other words, my God is more powerful than you. And he's more powerful than your gods. Living with the awareness that the the presence of God is truly with you in every situation of your life can change the way you see every situation in your life. Think about it. What kind of confidence, what kind of boldness would you live with if you really believed God is with you? So Pharaoh, everything works out. Pharaoh promotes Joseph to second in command in all of Egypt. And we fast forward 10 years with the scripture and Joseph's dreams begin to come true. Or, or Pharaoh's dreams come true. There's famine. But thanks to Joseph, they're saved. They've stored up. They've prepared for the famine. Then we see Joseph's family become affected by the fam- famine and they come to Egypt. And then we see Joseph's dreams begin to come true. Joseph's brothers come in. They don't immediately recognize Joseph. Probably because of the position he holds and he's wearing all this Egyptian garb. But eventually, but Joseph recognizes them immediately. And Joseph eventually reveals himself to his brothers. And oh man, wouldn't you love to be able to see the expression on their face? I mean, I just, I think about that. I'm like, man, I I don't want to go back in that time, but I'm like, I would love to, to have seen the expression on their face when Joseph revealed himself to them. And where are they? They are in his presence, bowing down before their brother. Just as Joseph's dream said was going to happen. Look, we can delay the will of God, but we can never destroy the will of God. God has a purpose. God has a plan. And he will make his plan come to pass. And we're going to come back to this verse that we're about to read in just a second. But let's look at this, what happens when Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. Genesis 4, 45, verse 4. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer and he said again, I'm Joseph, I'm your brother whom you sold into slavery into Egypt. Just in case you're in total shock and you don't realize it, you're, you, and you think you're hallucinating, it's me. He says, but don't be upset. 
and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. Living with the awareness that God is always truly with you will change the way you see every situation in your life. Think about it. How would your attitude to others changed change if you really believe God was with you in every situation? And Joseph shows us a powerful thing in this moment when it comes to relationships. We have to determine in our relationships what is more important. The issue or the relationship? Because when the relationship is strong, you can discuss the issues. But when the relationship's not strong, the issues will break the relationship. But Joseph makes a choice in this moment to look past the issue of them selling him into slavery and mend the relationship. How can he do that? How can he make that decision when the issue is so big? How can he look past the issue to mend the relationship? It only comes from the healing that we receive in God through the power of his Holy Spirit and through the grace of God to be able to do that. People say time heals all wounds. No. It wasn't time that healed Joseph's wounds. It was time with God that healed Joseph's wounds. That's the only thing that heals our wounds is time with God. The more we allow God to work in us, the more we're able to forgive others. The more we allow God to work in us, we can look at those that treat us as an enemy and not see them as enemies. So the brothers go back. They get their father, Jacob. They bring Jacob back and they're reunited with Joseph. And as we look at this account, of Joseph in Genesis. The point of seeing this is not just to be amazed by the incredible faith of Joseph, although his faith is remarkable. It's worth being amazed over. But, the, and, but that's not the point. The point is not to say, just like again, going back to our Daniel series, the point is not to say that in all the bad that happens to you in your life, God's going to make sure everything works out the way you want it to work out. That's not the point. The point is not to look at it and just see all the success of Joseph. The point is to see the faithfulness of God. That's the point. The point is for us to look and to know that God is in full control. And God is working his perfect plan out. And we live with the assurance to know that God is present. He is there. He is with us. And if he's with us, we have to see our situations differently. God was just as much with Joseph as he was with Joseph in the palace as he was with Joseph in the pit and in the prison. God was never surprised by whatever situation that Joseph found himself in. Those situations didn't surprise God. And God stayed with him through all of it. God is with you just as much through your darkest and deepest, uh, hardest places that you go through as he is through the good. He is with you through your pit. He is with you through your prison. And sometimes the pit and the prison is the path to the palace. But he's with you in all of it. Here's the difficult part. Knowing that God is with you through it doesn't mean that we can always see God working in it. We just have to trust 
There's an author of a book called The Praying Life, a guy by the name of Paul Miller. He made this statement. He said, often when you think everything has gone wrong, it's just that you're in the middle of a story. One of the greatest illustrations of this I've ever seen or ever heard was just the illustration of a tapestry. When you look at, at, at the image of a tapestry, you, you see the, the backside of that tapestry. It looks like utter chaos. It's just strings hanging all over the place. You, you, it's hard to see the picture that's being displayed. But if you look at the flip side of that, you see the beautiful picture that's been sewn into it. And see, what looks like chaos to us, God's orchestrating a beautiful picture. It's a picture that tells a beautiful story. Now, as we come to this close of this series, I want us to look at a passage from the closing chapter of the book of Genesis. It's Genesis chapter 50. It starts at verse 14. And I want us to see this conversation. Jacob has passed away. The brothers have gone and they buried Jacob together. We get to Genesis chapter 50, verse 14. After burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you. For their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we the servants of the God of your father beg you to forgive our sin. And when Joseph received the message, he broke down and he wept. And then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph again. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me. But God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many. Listen, Joseph's brothers became fearful because now they think all of a sudden Joseph's true colors are about to be displayed. He's going to get really angry because daddy's not around anymore. He's going to get really angry. He don't want to upset dad, but now he can't. He can get angry and he can get vengeful. But what does Joseph tell him? He, he's broken over the, their thought. And he tells him, don't be afraid. He says, am I in the place of God? Now think about his status. Joseph is second in the command of nation, in the nation of Egypt. He literally sits at the right hand of the king of that kingdom. There's one person ahead of his authority. If Joseph wanted to look at the Egyptians and say, take these men out and kill them. He could, and they would probably do it. In fact, if the Egyptians would have been around when Joseph made that statement, am I in the place of the God? Some of them would have been like, pretty much, yeah. But Joseph's mentality was, I am not in the place of God. No one stands in the place of God. But here's what he understood. I'm in the place God wanted me to be. I'm in the place God needed me to be. So there's a couple of things I want to see from this last passage as we close. One of them is this. Some of us have people in our life that it's very hard for us to forgive. 
we have people in our life that have damaged us so much that we feel like there is no way I can forgive them. We cannot move past our hatred for what they did, the hatred that now bleeds into how we see them and we hate them. And so what we want to do is we want to sit in the courtroom and we want to demand vengeance. We want to see them get what we believe they deserve. But this is where we have to remember. When we live with the awareness that God is always with us and his presence is truly with us, it can change the way we see every situation. What if you believed that behind everything they've done to you, I'm not saying it's right, I'm not justifying it, but what if you believe that behind everything they've done to you, God can take even the most horrible thing and work it out for his good? How would that change the way you see the situation and see them and respond to them? Again, I'm not talking about reducing the sin. Joseph did not belittle what they had done. He knew it was evil. He knew their intentions. I'm talking about seeing God's good despite man's evil intentions. It's not about ignoring the case. It's about putting the case in the hands of the one who is the judge. God. And giving it to him. Joseph's interpretation was to see that God had a plan. He did not ignore their evil. He chose to focus on God's good. And Joseph chose to bless his brothers despite what they had done to him. See, our willingness to be a blessing to someone is often a test of whether or not we've really forgiven them. Joseph blessed these guys. But we also need to look from the brother's side. We've got to be willing to receive forgiveness. Because when we receive that forgiveness, we receive a blessing that will work through us. Again, go back to Genesis 45, verse verse 5. Joseph looked at his brothers and said, Don't be upset. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve lives. What's he doing in that moment? He is taking the weight of what they did to him off of them. He's forgiving them. He's already offered them forgiveness. They already possess forgiveness. They just haven't received it. They haven't opened it. They haven't enjoyed the gift that's been given to them. The gospel truth is this. That Jesus Christ came to this earth and he took on a cross for our sin. Took the punishment of our sin, the weight of our sin that brings condemnation. He took it off of us and he defeated death, hell, and the grave for us to have victory in him. And Jesus Christ has said, I am offering you, I am giving you forgiveness. It's up to us to receive it. He sits at the right hand of God the Father. He acts as an advocate, as a mediator, as an intercessor on behalf of us. He's saying, I've I've given them forgiveness. 
It's up to us to receive it. It's up to us to, to take this gift, to open it and enjoy it and to live in it. And when you live under the forgiveness of God, you live under the blessing of his presence. And that blessing of his presence is a blessing that then works through you and works through us. When you live with the awareness that God is always with you, it can change the way you see every situation in your life. Think about these questions as we wrap up. What would change about your life if you really believed God was with you? How would your attitude towards your past change? I'm not saying it was God's will for you to sin. It was God's will for you to be sinned against. But how would your attitude towards what's happened change if you believe God is with you? How could you be able to forgive someone if you believe God is with you? would you see your situation in life right now, whether that situation is good or bad? How would the way you see your situation right now change if you really believed God is with you? When we live with the awareness that God is with us, he's truly with you. It will change the way we see every situation of our life. If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccanbin.com, go to our contact page. You'll find the link there to uh, request prayer or send us anything that you uh, would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.